praise you, God. Thank you for washing us white as snow, God. Thank you for setting us free, for paying the ransom, God, that was demanded for our rebellion. And Lord, more than that, we just thank you that you have now made us heirs with Christ. Lord, there's nothing this world can throw at us that could keep us down when we are walking in the victory that you have for us. And we praise you now. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing with the river and with Grandview and just bringing the kingdom together. And it's because of you, God, we can celebrate that because the body of Christ is moving and alive and well, God, we praise you. In your mighty name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you for singing with us, church. You can have a seat. Amen. Have a seat, everybody. So glad that you're here this morning. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see so many mixed faces. And I, if you don't follow the river on social media, um, I want to thank She's not going to like that I'm going to do this, but thank you, Maddie, putting you on the spot, girl. <laughs> Maddie has taken over our social media and is doing a phenomenal job. And she says, what if we give something away every Thursday? We give something away on our social media, on our sites. And I said, go for it. Like, you're a millennial. You know what you're doing. Go for it. So... We did. And so this Thursday was the first Thursday. This coming Thursday, I think we're going to be giving away like a big Tumblr thing. But anyway, um, so this week, uh, Diana Osbeck, where are you? You won a $10 Starbucks gift card. So hit me up after church. Hit me up after church. Um, this way you have to come to the principal's office. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But... Um, and for, I know for a lot of you that Starbucks is a lot like heaven, right? Some of you are like, it's heaven in a cup. Um, I don't understand that. I'm not going to try to comprehend that. Um, but I can, I can tell you this, that heaven has something else. You know what else heaven has? That too. Heaven has, I believe, cake. I believe heaven has cake. Anybody with me? Yes? Okay, all right. And this has been used, but you get the idea. And when you bake a cake, right, when you bake a cake, do you just throw flour in a pan, stick it in the oven, and that pops the cake? Anybody? No. All right. So you've got to mix things in a cake, right? Now, I don't bake. Let's just... Put that right out there up front, all right? No baking. Hot dogs, um, cornflakes, those things are up my alley. So, but you put sugar in, right? You put sugar in. Um, somebody's, I'm going to botch one of these up. Flour, do you put flour in cake? Yes, yes, okay, good. Um, sometimes, sometimes you put cocoa, cocoa in a cake. Yes, all you chocolate lovers are like, yes. Don't make cake without chocolate. Vanilla extract, this is better than the cocoa. I don't care. I'm a vanilla guy, all right? So, and, I mean, where would we be without the eggs, right? The eggs, the all-purpose, multi-purpose egg, the incredible edible egg. Does anybody remember that, right? And so, you can't have cake without all of these ingredients, all of these ingredients 
have to go into the cake to make the cake cake. There, okay, let's make sure you're awake with me this morning. You have to have all of these different things working together, uniting to make the cake, right? You can't just put the egg in or the flour in and be like, where'd my cake go? You know, half hour later, where's the cake? And you can't just like mix them in the bowl or you can't just put them in the bowl and then just dump it in the pan and stick it in, do you? Can't do that either. You know what happens when you put all the ingredients in? You got to mix it. You got to blend it up, right? You got to beat it. And then it's not enough that it's all pounded and beat together, right? Then you have to put it in, smooth it out in the pan, apply some pressure, and then stick it in heat before it becomes cake. And it has to sit in the heat for like, I don't know, 20 minutes, half hour, something like that. Am I, am I even remotely close to what baking looks like? Yeah. And so you have to put it in. You see, each ingredient plays a part in making the cake, right? You can't have the body of Christ if we don't each appreciate one another's gifts. Now, we're going to get beat, and we're going to face the heat, but I can tell you this, that when it's all said and done, it's good, right? And you know what good grandmas do? Good grandmas call the grandkids in, pull out the mixer beater thingies. What are those called anyway? Mixer. Yeah, okay, all right. So you pull them out, and you let, and you, and you let your kids lick them. It's very important that you pull them from the blender <laughs> before you let your kid. Now, if your kids have been ornery, just hand them the blender and tell them to lick it. But different, everybody brings a gift. Everybody brings a unique talent to unite this thing called a cake. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about uniting the body of Christ. Because that's what we are here for, is to unite. I don't know if you know this, but just bringing two congregations together is like a microcosm of what heaven is about to be like. And we don't get to complain about, I don't like that music, it's too loud. Or we don't get to complain about the temperature. Why didn't they set the temperature on 68 instead of 70? Look, this is still earth, and we still have sin nature. But when we go to heaven, sin nature goes away, and we don't complain about the temperature, and we don't complain about other stuff. We go to heaven, and we worship Jesus despite ourselves. Do you think Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, were they complaining about the sewage that was running by them while they were in prison? Do you think they were complaining about their backs being beat? No, the Bible says at midnight, they begin to praise God anyway. Because there's something more important. Right? And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is talk about unity in the body of Christ from Psalms 133. So if you've got your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, if you don't have any of that, and you're like, I don't even know if the Bible's true, that's fine. We're going to provide it for you on the screen. In Psalm 133, we're going to read this, and over the next two to three weeks, we're going to just kind of break this down a little bit. So... If you got your Bible, you turn there, Psalm 133. I'm going to kick it old school with an actual book and pages in ink. Psalm 133, it says, A song of ascents of David. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. 
It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And the psalm tells us that this is a psalm of ascent. Not like ascent, it smells like a cake out of the oven. It means ascent, to ascend. So if I'm going to get from where I am right now to ascend someplace higher and someplace closer to God, then I can't stay where I am. How do I ascend? Now, this is a musical term. I'm not musical. The band, they were joking before service. We're going to turn your mic on. I'm like, no, because everybody will leave. Do not turn my mic on in the middle of singing. People will, will leave and, you know, windows will break and things will happen. But ascent, now, I, I don't know. Maybe one of the worship leaders can tell us. I don't know if ascent means go higher in pitch or it means pick up the tempo. But here's what I do know. David was a worshiper. And if I'm going to ascend, whether I pick up the temple and move up in my temple or I move up in my pitch, if I'm, he says, this is a song of ascent. If I'm going to ascend, then I have to unite. If I'm going to get to the next level, I'm going to have to unite. And so I can't stay down here. I want to ascend. I want to go up. Why? Because the Bible says that God is enthroned on the mount of heaven. God is high. And if I want to get closer to God, then I have to unite with my brothers and sisters and say, I don't know what the differences are. It doesn't matter. We're going to get into that in a minute. It simply means I have to get closer to God because I know inside of myself is a sin nature that will destroy my life, destroy my family tree, and destroy everything that God wants to do in my life. I have to ascend and unite. You cannot have unity without you and I. Oh, snap. Some of you get that at 3 a.m. You'll pop up and wake up at 3 a.m. and go, I get it now. You cannot have unity without you and I. So look at your neighbor on your right and say, you. Look at your neighbor on your left and say, I. Don't say it too hard. Don't blow anything on them. All right? You cannot have unity without you and I. And so David says, if we're going to sing a song of ascents, if we're going to get from here to there, then we must realize that unity is key. And the first thing he says in, in verse 1, now David didn't like write number 1, we added that. But how good, the word good means all senses. It literally means pleasant to all the senses. I don't know about you, but when that cake comes out of the oven, my smell, I hear the oven open, right? My taste buds start watering. All the senses start kicking in. My eyes are looking for the cake. Uh, it's pleasant to all the senses. I'm excited about it. People ask me all the time, say, well, why, why do we sing so much in church? I just don't like music. Look, all right. When you sing, think about all the senses you're engaging. Sight as you read the words, your mouth as you sing, your ears as you hear physical touch as you clap or raise your hands or however you're standing or you're sitting or you're kneeling, however you worship, you're engaging the senses. And David, as a natural worshiper, says it's pleasant. It, en it engages all of the senses. It's pleasant. I enjoy it. It is good and pleasant. It is when God's people live together in unity. The Hebrew word for unity is yada, yahad. I'm sorry, yahad. Yahad literally means to take two separate things, like two separate cogs in a watch, 
or in a clock, and it means to pull, bring the two cogs together so that they turn one another. That's, that is the Hebrew word yahad. It means to bring those two things which are different and so that the cogs interlink and they begin to work together. Think about that. David says, when God's people come together, it's like two different cogs. They each have their strengths, and they begin to turn one another, and they begin to work together. We should be excited about that. Because guess what? You can reach people. I'll never, yes, you. <laughs> you can reach, sorry, this is just how I roll, all right, all right. Like, you will reach people that I will never reach. You will understand people I will never understand. I will understand people you will. Richard, you will understand people that I will never understand. If Richard has a show every Friday night, sorry, shameless plug. Richard has a show on, on Facebook every Friday night at 10 p.m. called Richard After Dark. All right? It's a Christian show. It is rated G. All right? No, our children's pastor is not doing something. He, he, he talks about wrestling, and he talks about where Slim Jims came from, and he talks about all kinds of great, amazing stuff, but he's going to reach and touch people that I'll never reach, right? And I think about each person in this room, as we unite and begin to connect with different people, we'll all bring things in, and it'll be a beautiful, amazing thing that God does. Do not dare ask me to sit down and draw and be artistic. Are you kidding me? My son laughs at me. Let's have a drawing contest, and he knows immediately. He's like, Dad, this is toast. I've got him. I've got him. Right? Because he's extremely gifted in art. And it's like, I, I can't go there. I don't have it. God didn't give that to me. But it's the cogs working together. So how do we work together? What do we do to work together? Well, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and we're going to go to Ephesians. If you've got your old school Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. If anything else, Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, not 1 through 13, you're like, man, how many verses are we going to read? Ephesians 4, 12 through 13, Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. Paul here is talking to the church at Ephesus, and he say, he, he's coming to this point in chapter 4 where he's saying, listen, there are roles in ministry. There are roles and parts to play. And he's talking about the fivefold gifts of the ministry, pastor, prophet, teacher, and so on. And he, he gets to verse 12, and this is what he says. So to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He says, listen, God has given certain gifts to the church. And he's talking about those five specifically. You can back up and read that this week in your own time. But he says here, he says that those five and all of us working together are to equip each other for his work. We're to equip one another, to help one another. So that the body of Christ, what is the body? So that we can care for one another. The first thing that we have to do if we're ever going to unite is we have to care for one another. I don't, the, if you're, those of you that are with the river, you, you're going to roll up, you're like, God, Pastor Tyson, quit saying this. Those of you that are Grandview, just 
This is what you're going to get sick of this, but I'm going to say it. You are called to love everybody. You're not called to like everybody. Some personalities just clash. Some things just don't work. God didn't tell me I had to like you. He told me I had to love you. So even though our personalities clash, if you're in the hospital, I need to come love you. It doesn't mean that I can't respect you. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't be respecting you. It doesn't mean I shouldn't be caring for you. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't. It just means we're probably not going to hang out because we just clash. But it doesn't matter because that person can sit there. Sorry, I'm not pointing at you. I just pointed at an empty chair. And then that person can sit there. And we can all attend the same church and our personalities can clash and it's okay. We love one another despite. And when you find out your brother down the aisle has a need and needs yard mode, it doesn't matter if your personalities clash. I'm called to love you. And love is an action. Love is a verb. And you can command action. That's why Jesus said to love one another. He's commanding an action when he says that. Feelings come and go. Love is not a feeling. That's called emotion. Love is a decision to act in love towards your neighbor and to unite. And so Paul says that we are to care for Christ's body. The three C's of uniting, caring for one another, regardless. Right? It's okay. It's okay if we're all different. It's okay. And so we care for one another. In fact, look at... um, in 1 Peter, this is the last place we're going to turn, and then we'll go back to Ephesians. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, 1 Peter 4, 9, it says, Offer hospitality to one another, just as Grandview has done an amazing job of opening their arms to us, who are all these weirdos coming into our church, right? From down yonder place, stones throw away. Now, some of you just totally understood what I said, Right? So hospitality to one another without grumbling, right? Like, people at the river know this. I will jump on gossip quicker than white on rice. Can I say that in this church? I will jump on that so fast, right? It doesn't have a place in the church. And so hospitality to one another without grumbling Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve one another as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Next verse. Is that it? Oh, there it is. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to pull out two words here that are extremely important. The first one is the, is the word hospitality. It's a compound Greek word. It means the first, it's, it's philo xenos. Philo xenos. Philo is where we get the word Philadelphia, Philly brotherly love, brother, and xenos to strengthen. It literally means to come alongside your brother and strengthen them. Strengthen them. He didn't say, (laughs) right? He didn't say, he said, come along and strengthen them, support them, encourage them, offer hospitality. Isn't that what you do when you have people? My, My wife is like the hostess with the mostess, and I'm glad I married her. You know why I'm glad I married her? Because if you would have just come over to my house with me, I'd been like, yeah, the pizza, cold pizza's in the oven, and um, there's probably a Coke over there somewhere. Lynn's like, got the spread out, she's doing everything, 
Yeah, see, you know. You've been to the crib. So it's like, you know, she's got a, she's hospitable. It's a gift she has that I don't, I don't have. She invites people in to strengthen them and to encourage them. And then the next word I want to point out is it says to serve one another. Diakonos. Diakonos. Another compound Greek word, if you're taking notes, is D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S. Diakonos. The word dia means to be across from. To be across from. Like you would stand on one side of the bridge and somebody else on the other side of the bridge. And konos means commonality. To stand across from one another and figure out what we have in common. Diakonos. Stand, what do we have in common? He didn't say stand across and figure out what you have in difference. He didn't say stand across and figure out why you're different. He said stand across from one another, look at each other, examine one another, and figure out why you're the same. Diakonos. To serve one another. To love one another. To care for one another. So this is how we care for the body from 1 Peter chapter 4. The second C in uniting, Paul tells us, and it's going back to Ephesians, as he says, until we reach unity in the faith. Until we, now, when, let's just, can we just be, on, be honest in here? Is it okay to be honest in church? All right. So, he did not say agree until we all agree on theology. Until we all agree on Calvinism or Arminianism or something else. He didn't say until we all agree on post-trib, pre-trib, or mid-trib. He didn't say, some of you are like, what in the world are you talking about? I'll tell you later. Hit me up after church. He didn't say until we all agree on theological doctrine. Did he? That's not what he said. He said until there's unity in faith. What is unity in faith? It's a conviction that Jesus is who he says he is, and this book is what it claims to be. And we march forward in that. Listen, we're not going to have unity and complete agreement on theology until we get to heaven. And then I think we're all going to find out how wrong we really were. <laughs> right? It's not going to, we can sit and we can discuss and we can talk about things and we can agree to disagree or agree to agree. But unity in the faith, the conviction that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to get to heaven except by Jesus. Why? Because he said it himself. It either makes him a liar and the greatest deceiver in human history, or it makes him the truth with no other way. And strap in. He's either the greatest deceiver in history, he's either a greater deceptor than Hitler and has caused more harm than Hitler, or he is the son of God. You can't make that claim and be somewhere in the middle. I am the way means I'm the only way. I'm the only truth and I'm the only life. It's one or the other, right? That's, that's difficult. That's difficult for a lot of people. But until we have unity in that, so Paul says we must have a conviction for Christ. That's the second C. First one is care for the body of Christ through hospitality and loving one another. Two, conviction for Christ, being convicted that Christ, the word conviction literally means that you are so compelled that it's the truth that you're willing 
to stand in front of an oncoming train because you know for a fact it's true. And there's no backing down. The third C is this. Confidence in Christ. Confidence in Christ. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Confidence in Christ. I'm convicted of it. Now, if I'm convicted and I'm convinced it's true, then I got confidence. You know, I used to coach my youngest son's football team. And, and he, he's little league football. And I remember one time we were playing this team and we were, we were okay. And they're like, all I heard at practice the day before the game was, oh, they've got so-and-so, and they've got so-and-so, and he's got a really good arm, and nobody can catch him, and they've got this really big kid that can block, and blah, 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 blah. Do you know what I did as a coach? Shut up to the fence and back five times, and I never want to hear that again. Why? Confidence. If you're already defeated up here, you might as well not even walk out on the field. You're wasting your time. You've got to become, which game does Stephen Curry walk out to and go, I think we're going to lose. When did Larry, when was the last time you ever heard of Larry Bird going to L.A. to face Magic Johnson and go, guys, I, you know, Mr. Kevin McHale, I don't think we should go out there. This, this, this is going to be horrible because Magic and Worthy and Kareem are just too good. What kind of nonsense is that? Some of you are like, who is Larry Bird? Yeah, we know, right? I mean, pick it. Pick it. Which athlete, which... What if we sent the Marines in to Iraq and they went, I don't think we can... I have a friend of mine who was in the Marine Corps in the first, uh, first invasion in Iraq, and he said they sat in that tank all night, and it was just ping, 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 bullets pinging off the, I don't know what it's called, the people carrier. And he just, they sat there all night listening to pings. He's like, we couldn't even sleep. He goes, but we knew we had a job. And we were confident we were better trained than them. And we knew that our generals had a better plan. And they were confident in that. Let me ask you something. Who has a better plan than God? Nobody. Who's, who's in the, we used to sing this song growing up, I'm in the army, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord, right? I ain't going to sing it, but, you know, if I had an organ up here, maybe I might bust out, but I'm a soldier, who, who has us better trained to face life than Jesus? Anybody? Nobody. So if you're sitting in God's people carrier, and you're hearing pings, let them ping, they ain't getting through. Our general has a better game plan than the other dude. Then follow it. Stick with it. Go in there with your head confident. Rick, when you make a call, don't fall asleep on me. When you make a call, he, he's an IHSAA and an NCAA football ref official. All right? When you make a call and you throw the flag, are you confident? Absolutely. And if a coach comes and argues, are you picking up the flag going, oh, I'm sorry? Nope. So, Josh... When you're coaching this year, remember, don't argue, or Rick's going to be like, you know what, another flag. There you go. 
right? And so here, here's, what I, here's what I want you to know. That when you walk in to some place, be confident. Let them see your confidence in Christ. Let them see somebody who's self-assured and say, you know what? My job is to love Jesus, to care for one another, and to unite the body of Christ. Because we're not home. We're not home. And so in closing, in closing, the three C's to unite. Care for the body of Christ. Two, be convicted of who Jesus is and the word is what it says it is. Three, be confident in Christ. Look, if death can't stop him, all of the powers of hell cannot stand up against one promise of God. What do we have to worry about? Right? Because here's what happens. I, I want to say thank you to my oldest son who can flat cook. And if you've never had him fry fish, you need to have him fry, fry up some fish. You're getting embarrassed right now. So last night, like at 1130, he's baking this cake. So I'm just going to put this down here. When all of those ingredients come together, yeah, look at all y'all salivating. Like, Man, that's not fair. Pastor's treating me bad, right? What's the Bible say? The Bible says that when we come together and we blend all of our differences, we'll talk about this next week, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in and says, now I can spread myself out. Now, now I can really make this thing good because I didn't buy the fake icing. I bought the real icing with sugar. And the Holy Spirit can come in here and spread himself out and say, you know what? I love when the body begins to move. I love when the body comes together because you know what? Now there's a solid foundation and the Holy Spirit will come in and begin to fill. There's a hole right there where he stuck the toothpick in. But the Holy Spirit will fill it in. The Holy Spirit will fill in your holes. And when we unify, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to do. Look, the cake is good, but we all know the real reason why we have cake is to have the icing. And the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, I'll make this really good. You just watch. So this morning, I want to invite you to do what the Bible says, is to stand on the other side of that bridge and look at your brother or sister and go, okay, what do we have in common? Not what do we have different. We can point out differences all day. But when we come together and go, what do we have in common? How can we march forward? That's when the Holy Spirit says, now you're breaking down. Now I can come in. Let's stand up this morning as we get ready to close. You know, some of you here this morning, you may not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You may have never told Jesus, hey, I'm done trying to do stuff myself and figure all this out. And you're ready to hand that over to Jesus. I want to invite you this morning. You can do one of two things as we close in song. 
you can come forward and I'll pray with you for you to accept Christ. Or I'm going to stand at the back and you can see me on your way out the door. And let's talk about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Amen. If you're here this morning you need prayer for anything else, I'm going to be right here hanging out. And I just want to pray with you. But let's, let's worship God one last time together.